0: Thank you thank you as you can tell I sometimes have people come up without warning them ahead of time so thank you for being game (laughs) like it thank you for being game Catherine and if anyone feels led to uh, so financially into this please see Solange okay so um just like Solange I've talked to other people who who um who want to step in to Their destiny, and they're feeling this resistance. They're they're hearing the voices saying, "Who are you to think you can do this?" Uh, How many of you are like are feeling that? You know, yeah, yeah. So um, I just I just bless all of you, whether you raised your hand or or maybe you didn't even want to draw attention to yourself. I bless you to know that your heavenly Father is for you. He is for you. He's cheering for you, and and he is with you and as Chris Valentin says sometimes the very place where we get the most resistance is the doorway is behind that is the doorway to our destiny so I just bless you to take courage and push on through into your calling into your joy into the beauty and the passion of what God thought up before the world was created the, the good works you were created to do in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. And and now I would like to introduce tonight's speaker, someone I know very well, but I'm always surprised by. (laughs) My wife, Susan. She's the leader of our SOZO team, She's been a mentor to people, an encourager, and uh, her passion for going deep uh, has always been an, an inspiration to me. So, are you ready to go deep? Yes. Come on up, Susan.
1: Okay. I'm, I'm live now. Okay. Is that better now? I don't have to talk very loud. Is it, that's plenty loud. Okay. Is that better now? Not blasting out in ears now? Okay. Good. Okay. I know you want to hear me, but you don't want to hear me that much. Yeah. Okay. So um, it's been on my mind for a while to talk about the kingdom. And mostly because of a dream I had actually last summer. Last summer, well, Russ was sleeping. If you remember, Russ was very sick last summer. But God was very faithful to me and through that time and and he would give me dreams and um, help me kind of stay on track, stay focused, reminding me, yes, I am there. You are not alone. I'm with you through this whole thing. So this particular dream was um, very simple. Russ was sick, he was laying on a bed. And two of my friends came into the room. Actually, one of them's here, Jennifer. Jennifer Loffridge and a friend, Gary Baltridge, were, came into the room and they had been two of the ones who had been coming to pray for Russ quite regularly. Um, but Gary just came in, put his hand on Russ's belly, and said, kingdom, just like that. And that's got me thinking a lot about the Kingdom. And I thought, huh, hmm, the Kingdom. So I'm not sure I thought that much about the Kingdom in Heaven. I know Jesus talked a lot about it, but I want to talk a little more about what that means for us, about what that means, this Kingdom within. What does it mean for us to live from the Kingdom within, live from within, from who we really are, for how present He is with us, and for us, right here. Aware that the supernatural realm is right there. We don't got to go anywhere else. The supernatural realm is this close to the natural realm, because it's who we are. Years ago, like many, 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 many years ago, um, I was working. At a job and this guy, I didn't know him very well. I just knew he was a little unusual. He had a fascination with, um, aliens and UFOs or something. So anyway, he had some spiritual interest of some kind, whatever. And one day we're just sitting in the lunchroom together and he looks at me, and he says, what is it about you? And I'm kind of thinking, what do you think I'm an alien or something? <laughs> but, um, at the time I was not, um, a very full-of-the-spirit Christian. In fact, I was a rather oppressed, depressed Christian. <laughs> and so at the back of my mind, there was this little thought, I think he thinks... I'm sorry, is this really crackling a lot? Let's see, is that better now? A little better now? I think it's better now. Okay, good. So at the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I think he thinks I'm a Christian, but I feel, like, so ashamed to admit I'm a Christian because I'm such an unworthy, you know, example of a Christian. So I didn't say anything. I'm like, whatever. So fast forward till about three years ago. I'm at a party with some friends from my job, and there had been some drinking going on. One of my coworkers turns to me and says, Susan, what is it every day when I get in the shower? I just think about you. Ah, This time, I knew how to respond. I think it's the one who lives in me, actually, that's getting your notice. A little earlier, remember, art was prophesying about the light within. The light within. It's not on the visible spectrum. We're not talking about natural light. We're talking about light in the spirit. These people could see it on me, whether they're saved or not. They could see this thing. didn't have to do with how spiritual I was. Yeah? But it's who I was because of him. Or I can use the handheld and just Okay, got it out of your system now? Good. Okay, is this better? I can do the handheld if it's really popping a lot. Do you think it's better now? Better? Okay. Okay, so what are they seeing? What is this light? Huh? We carry light? How does that work? Really? A couple years ago, I'm at another church. There's a special guest speaker there and he decides to take us for a spiritual experience. He has the whole group together engage with heavenly places, and we're all kind of soaking. And, and I just started walking with Jesus in a vision, okay, in a vision, in the spiritual realm. I'm just walking arm in arm with Jesus. He takes me into a um, greenhouse, showing me flower. You know how that is. She's showing me cool stuff, flowers and herbs and I'm smelling things and looking at things. And then he takes me to the back of this greenhouse and there's a bakery there. And they're baking bread. And it's just really, and so we're just kind of hanging out, having a good time. And he shares some of the bread with me. Oh, it's just, so, you know, one of those cool times with Jesus. And then kind of coming, coming back, Sorry, why don't you get me a handheld? Is this one going to work? Is it on? Oh, it's on. OK. We'll try again. Is this loud enough? No? no? Oh, is that? That's got to be loud enough. OK. OK. So I wake, you know, kind of come back, back to planet Earth. I see a friend. I go over and I hug my friend. And she says, Susan, are you, have you been eating fresh bread? The kingdom of heaven is within. Now, that was a visionary experience. How did she smell fresh bread? When does the natural become the supernatural? How does that work? How many of you know we don't know how? We don't have to know how this works for it to work. The kingdom of heaven is within. It's who you are. Now, when John came preaching the kingdom of heaven on earth... He was saying, prepare ye the way of the Lord, the kingdom of God is here, it's coming. They had a grid at that time, the Jewish people. They had a grid for what a kingdom was. And their idea of what a kingdom was, was somebody else going to come and conquer us? But hearing that, okay, your Messiah is coming and bringing a kingdom, they're probably thinking, oh, good, we get to turn tables on the Romans. It's our turn to go conquer them. Well, Jesus came. He was talking about the kingdom too, but he wasn't talking about coming and conquering, was he? He was telling them things that were rather mysterious. I don't, and they didn't. It, a lot, he was talking a lot about in parables, because he knew probably if he told them tried to tell them literally what it was going to be like, they probably wouldn't get it. He was saying things like, It's it's a precious pearl. This kingdom, it's so precious. It's like a pearl you would sell everything for it. This kingdom, it's 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 small, it's like a little leavening, but it goes into the whole bread and it makes changes everything. It's talking in parables, and I you know, and they didn't really get what exactly was this about. You see, they absolutely thought. That the kingdom was going to come with our Messiah looking like this. Like this. Like the lion of the tribe of Judah, kind of. This is how kingdom's going to come. Kingdom's going to come roaring. But kingdom came upon them. Started like a little baby in a manger, didn't he? He just went around talking to people, loving on them, getting them healed. Speaking truth to them. The kingdom is within you. It's in the invisible realm. Jesus said God's realm, God's realm is the kingdom. It won't come just because you're watching for it, and neither can people say here it is or there it is, because God's realm is actually within you. That's in the source. His realm is right there within you. See, through your belly flows the river of living water. His river flows through you. All that is available in the kingdom is immediately available through you. Right there, on earth, as in heaven. Now Solomon, back in the Old Testament times, I think he had an idea of kingdom. I think a lot of the people in the Old Testament were kind of getting having a picture of it, because how many know so much of what happened back there absolutely was a foreshadowing of what was coming? Because Solomon said this in, uh, back in Chronicles. God, because he's building, remember he's building a temple. He's giving a temple because he wanted to contain God in it. He wanted a place for God to live on earth and dwell with man. Because God said he wanted to, hey, I want to come and hang out with you guys. And Solomon said this, Heaven and highest heaven cannot contain you, God. Yet you would come and dwell in this place? I mean, he was getting it, but he wasn't quite getting it. Yeah, God wants to come and dwell in this place, this place, and bring his whole kingdom with him. His kingdom is within you. His kingdom, there's total access to his kingdom, is within you. Matthew 10, Jesus says this, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, drive out the demons. Freely you have received, freely give. This is our new normal. This is our new normal, a continuous partnership. The kingdom, everything it carries, the river of life is always available to us. But it's a partnership. We're used to often the way we're raised, the way we're born, and what we're born into, of thinking more independently, like, I got to figure it out. I got to have all the answers. I got to get it all together. I got to make sure I got the resources. No, it's a partnership. The kingdom is within. We access the partnership within, and that's how we get all the stuff done. Because we don't have those resources in and of ourselves. It is in partnering with Him. Everything you need is right here within the natural realm interfacing with the supernatural. It's right there. I can remember one of probably the prime reasons I got saved back towards the end of high school was there was about maybe four or five different people I could see in my high school. There was something about them. And I knew there was a lot of Christians at my high school, so I can't tell you exactly what it was, About these these few different people, but I could see mm, light on them. I could see it wasn't. I could see with my natural eyes. Maybe I felt it with my heart. I felt this holiness about them that was so attractive, and I wanted that so bad for myself. I wanted to know I could be holy, and I, I didn't know what to think. It was. It was so beautiful and so attractive, and I knew these, these individuals to be Christians, but I had no idea what it was at the time. Because you see, we shine from within. We are light in the darkness. For Colossians one, twelve and thirteen says this He has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. We're walking here on earth, but we are also alternate universe, right? Walking in the kingdom of heaven on earth. At the same time, how does that work? I don't know. All I know is it's ours. It's yours. Every single person in this room, you walk in this and it's always available to us. And the beautiful thing about this river that runs through the, through, the, through the heavenly places is that it never runs dry. You know, our understanding on this earth is you're going to run out, you've got to compete, you've got to make sure you've got enough for yourself. The kingdom of heaven, everything you need is always available there for you to access 1 John 1.7 says this, We are living and we are walking in the light as he is in the light. The light on him we get. We walk in that same glory, that same presence. On your darkest day, you still shine light in the darkness. On your darkest day. You cannot dampen the kingdom within. We can choose to partner with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you get to enjoy it that way. A few weeks back, I'm a physician assistant. I work um, in a family practice. And a couple weeks ago, a woman came in. I had never met this woman before. Um, And I walked in the room to see her, and she is visibly stressed out. She is upset. She's in pain. She is anxious. She is She's a wreck. She's an absolute wreck. And it kind of all came out that she was very worried. She has no health insurance. She's had back pain for many months now. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. Oh, she's just everything. You name it, she's worried about it. I'm never going to get better. My pain is just going to keep getting worse. I don't have any money to see the doctor. What am I going to do? Ah! So we do the little doctor thing and examine her and get her whatever, prescriptions, whatever. And then I just, I'm just looking at her going, well, I don't, this doesn't make sense, but I see God all over this woman. Wasn't her peace, that's for sure. No, but I could see light on her. I just said to her, you know, I see God all over you. And she's like, "Oh, oh, I went to church today. In fact, I go to church every day. Good Catholic. Yeah, good Catholic. I go to, but her countenance completely shifts. She's like, really? There's something good about me, and somebody sees something good about me. So it was wonderful because, of course, that helped me have favor with her. I immediately was able to pray for her. She got healed. We did a little sozo stuff. So she got rid of the anxiety stuff. She's like, See, you don't have, you don't have to go to church every day to be a, a good Christian. <laughs> you get to hang with him any place, anytime. So we did a little of that and helped her show how she could do that. So how many know? Kingdom of heaven, it's within. Kingdom of heaven within her and the kingdom in heaven with me had a little party that day. Yeah. Yeah, right there available. I didn't have to spend, you know, days and days fasting and praying, uh, getting ready to pray for somebody. Kingdom of heaven, it's immediately accessible to us. It is within. Yeah within each one of you. In um, Matthew 13, there's an interesting statement about the kingdom. It says this, The kingdom of God, in in the kingdom of God, it's like a student who knows when to bring the old word and when to bring the new. I think that's an interesting statement, isn't it? And it made me start thinking, you know, the kingdom of heaven is all about what flows with life. What flows with life. So it doesn't mean you can just randomly whoo, open up the Bible and that's the now word right now for that God has for you. It's what is flowing with life. And some of the old words like the Old Testament has got some real kingdom truths in it, as well as the... New Testament, and it's the training ourselves to discern and learn and pay attention to what is bringing life, what is flowing in the present, and then now, what is God doing? Now, that's what's flowing in the kingdom. So I think Ezekiel 36 describes what the kingdom is like. If I can get my slide to forward here. There we go. Yes. This is what Ezekiel 36 says, For I will take you from the nations, and I will gather you from all the countries, and I will bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from all your idols I will cleanse you. A new heart I will give you and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will take out of your flesh the heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and I will cause you to walk in my statutes. And be careful to observe my ordinances. And some of you are feeling the spirit falling right now as we're reading this word. You shall dwell in the land which I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. All is new. All is new. All is fresh in the kingdom. New territory. We have new land. We're clean. We have a new heart. We have a new spirit, and we belong. We belong. Daughters and sons of the king, you belong in the kingdom. You have immediate access, you see, to a kingdom where there are some things that don't exist, you see, in this kingdom. There is no comparisons in this kingdom, there is no competition in this kingdom, there is no independence, there is no rejection, there is no shame, there is no punishment. It's a continual flow of life, out of which you have total acceptance, total belonging, all the joy you will ever need, peace, and life. Everything that is eternal. Everything that is perfect. <laughs> And love, not like what the love does, of the, not, not like love on earth. The love on earth is kind of like, well, if you love me, I'll love you. Let's see how it goes. If you can do something for me, then maybe I'll trust that I can give you my heart. Oh, no. Unconditional love flows in this kingdom. Uncondi- God says, I love you. I will love you whether you ever accept me. I will love you and I will keep on loving you because I already count you as mine because I created you. So independent of your response to me, I will love you and keep on loving you. That is the love available for us in this kingdom. None of us are able to love without love on our own. None of us are, right? We can't. This is the love of God. So that's why one of those things that doesn't happen in the kingdom is independence. That's an earthly concept, that we can do anything in and of our own self. That's why we can be weak and strong in the same time. You see, the way we understand things on this realm and the kingdom realm, completely different definitions are not the same. I think that's why we get mixed up sometimes, because it feels like we're trying to apply how things work here with how things work in the kingdom. They're different. I don't understand it all by any means. I'm just going to try and offer a few, a little bit of understanding. That's as much as I can do tonight, for sure, because I don't even understand that much. So a little bit more understanding. But this kingdom that we walk in, that we're part of here and there at the same time, that's why we can lay one hand on the sick and reach one hand into the kingdom and fully expect that we will function as a conduit of allowing that river of life to flow through us. Every single one in here, it works. Now, we don't always know what's going to happen, but we are all, each one of you, you're his. You belong to him. You're part of this kingdom. You're in. You're in, period. You said yes, so you're in. That's it. Heaven's your native land. It's where you belong. See, he who dwells in you cannot be contained by the natural constraints of this world. We live according to a different set of principles because of this kingdom we're part of. The more comfortable we get with this notion that we live from a place where he is always with us and he is always for us, the more freely is this river going to start flowing through you. I'm okay with him. He loves me. He believes in me. He's with me. He'll never leave me. Yes, it's true. It's true. He can do for you what. Humanly, we have the limitations. He does not. So I want to talk a little bit about some of the qualities of the kingdom. There we go. Yes. The kingdom flows with what is eternal and what is is of life. Romans 14, 17 says this, It is not eating and drinking that makes up the kingdom, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. See, these are the things that are eternal. These are the things that are eternal. Righteousness, peace, and joy. So, back when, this is from Romans, when Paul wrote this, right, Paul? Paul? He said not eating and drinking because that was kind of the legalistic thinking of the time. It's like what you eat or you don't eat if you're going to be a good Jew, right? You've got to do the right thing and follow the law. So today's world, I think it might look a little different, maybe. Something like it's not about using a PC or a Mac. It's not about using a fuel-efficient car or being politically correct. It's not about tithing a certain percentage of your income. And how about this one? It's not about being a success or being a failure according to the world system. That's not what the kingdom of hell, of heavens about. It is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy you get to partake of now and forever. Ever, Forever. This is forever stuff. We just get such a small taste now. It's just going to keep increasing. Of his government, there will be no end. It starts now. It's ever going to increase more and more and more. And everything that flows with what Jesus brought to earth, it's increasing through us. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Now, it doesn't make sense, but we can accept what we can't quite comprehend, can't we? We're going to have to, because there's a whole, so much we've got to take by faith, you guys. We don't have to get it all. It's okay. He'll help us understand it as we need it. Now, when we look at difficult situations in our lives from the kingdom... Uh, from, from earthly perspective, I mean, when we look from difficult stuff from this level, earthly level, ground level, we're, just a, we're so aware of our limited resources, limited abilities. I can only love so much. I can only do so much. Um, but when you start becoming more and more aware that you're not alone, it's not up to you to, to take care of all the resources to make all the connections. We start being aware, I'm, ah, oh, I'm connecting, connected to the one that has all, knows all, does all, is everywhere all at once. Ah, oh, OK. Perspective starts changing. Now, there's something I do want to say that I think is an important principle about this whole thing that I think we get mixed, we get really confused about a lot. See. We, we talk about being holy. We talk about our righteousness. And we think, we can think, that being perfect means never making a mistake. And that's kind of how we understand it on earth level, isn't it? Kingdom of earth, of this realm, if you're perfect, you got it all together. You got the hair, you got the clothes, you got the car, you got the house, whatever. Perfect kids, right? Everybody, perfect kids. Yeah. Perfect marriage, perfect whatever. Well, what, that is not righteousness. That is not a, the concept of holiness and perfection in the kingdom of heaven. Righteousness and holiness in the kingdom of heaven is that we have a perfect, holy relationship connection with our God. Period. He did it perfect. He did it all perfectly for us. See, we can be perfect and still make mistakes in the kingdom of heaven. Huh? See, you, don't, you can't understand it with the same understanding we apply here on earth. Being righteous, being holy, is not perfectionism. That's where we get it mixed up and confused. It is not perfectionism. In fact, Paul talks a lot about, you know, we're weak. We're weak. You can be holy and righteous in Him and weak and not have all the answers and not have it all together at the same time. In, pre- in fact, pretty much that is our condition. That is our condition, period. You are holy and you don't have all the answers. You are righteous in Him and you make mistakes. Yeah, it's true. It doesn't make sense, and it doesn't make sense. Yeah? It does mean, however, that as our heart is sensitive and soft and tender before him, if we make a mistake that hurts somebody else, we're going to be aware of it, and we're going to want to reconcile that, right? So I'm not saying we just go out and do whatever we feel like doing, because we can. Do you understand what I'm saying? Does that make sense? What I'm just trying to communicate is righteousness is not perfectionism. Righteousness is not making sure I never make a mistake or do anything wrong. Because when we get so focused on never making a mistake, not doing anything wrong, we get afraid of doing anything, and that is not the kingdom of heaven on earth. See, our position, it is our position in Jesus Christ that makes us perfect not what we can do or not do. I think there's some really um, neat principles that um, that are talked about in the business world, about secrets of successful people. In fact, I think Doug Addison has taught a lot, incorporated a lot of understanding from the business world about how to be successful in business, how to be a good manager in business, And the principles look very kingdom. I don't know if they know that or not, but they look very kingdom. It looks like this. We get to choose what we focus on. And what we focus on determines our perspective. So this picture up here, that would be the nasty Nimitz on a very bad day. Yeah? Actually, I think it's Singapore. I mean, how would you like to face a commute like that every day? Like, okay, I might be home two hours later, maybe. (laughs) So you can get really upset, right? So just for example, just going through something hard and unpleasant, Okay, Having a bad day. You can get upset and annoyed and frustrated. We have a choice. So reactive people sort of would be one definition of one kind of person, somebody who's just reactionary. Knee-jerk, you you're having a bad day, you get upset, you're basing your reaction and your feelings on your present circumstances. As opposed to proactive people. I think Danny Silk would call that people who are being intentional. People who are planning their reactions based on who they are, based on who they know. So for us, that means we want to live intentionally from heaven to earth. To live from the place where I know I am accepted, I am not rejected, I am valued. Where my every felt need is met and recognized. God knows I have needs. He knows I have wants. And he cares. So reactive people are affected by their social environment. When they're treated well, feel good about yourself. If somebody's mad at you, you feel mad and annoyed. When people reject you, you feel rejected. So when you're reactive, people build their emotional lives around the behavior of others, and they empower the weakness of other people to control them. I know none of us have that problem. None of us have that problem whatsoever. Yeah. I'm sure most of us have this, I do, yes, I do sometimes, yes, yes, sometimes, how other people are acting can absolutely affect me, of course, sometimes. But what does it start looking like if we rise up a little bit above in the heavenly places where we are dwelt? We start taking a little more of an eternal perspective on things, because we are not looking to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Huh. I remember in college, I always was saying this verse over myself about ten times during finals week. Oh Lord, oh Lord, this is this slight, momentary affliction is preparing for me a weight of glory beyond all comparison. Right, God? Yeah. Managed to get through one way or the other every time, but. Now, proactive people, people that choose to live intentionally, are aware of what's going on out there with other people. But when you respond, you choose, you make a decision. You remember what your values are. You choose heaven, you choose eternal perspective. We choose forgiveness, we choose grace. Maybe I don't really understand what's going on with that other person. These are the values we're learning to live our lives from. I used to have this dog named Maisie. She was, oh, Jennifer, you remember Maisie. She was such a sweetheart. She's one of those dogs. Well, Russ never really wanted a dog. Karen really wanted to get a dog. And I'm like, Karen, you're just going to have to pray. Because your dad didn't have such a good experience with one of his dogs growing up. So he didn't really want a dog. Are you, are you guys identifying with this right here? Do we need to pray some deliverance here, Lonnie? Okay. <laughs> so anyway, our dog, Maisie. Um, when the first day, we, we just looked in the paper. She was a free dog. And Karen's like, I think this is the one. I think this is the one. So we go uh, to, you know, check her out. And the dog loves Russ. And he's like, I want this dog. (laughs) I don't think he ever met a dog that loved him before. But what I learned from Maisie is she loved everybody. She loved everybody. You could hate dogs. This dog would be bounding up to you and go, I love you. Pet me. I love you. Don't you love me? I know you love me. (laughs) I mean, she had that all over her. She just loved everybody. And she did not care if you hated dogs. She was going to love you anyway. And that taught me something. This dog had no rejection on her. It started me thinking, oh, oh, what if I was like that with people? What if I went up, you love me, you love me, you adore me. What if I, huh, that, that feels kind of kingdom to me. So even if they're like rejecting me or having a bad day, don't matter. Because I know God want, wants them to love me. Right? Hey? They, he wants me. That's the kingdom. So it's okay. I'm, okay. I'm going to be okay because I know I'm okay. Even if you're having a bad day, it's all right. So I loved my Maisie. She taught me a lot. She taught me a lot. She taught me how easy it was for me to react to somebody else's rejection and think, oh, they just don't like me. I don't want to bother them. Yeah. It's okay to assume the best sometimes. Assume that... It might not be me. Do you know how many misunderstandings could be averted if we would stop assuming it was us and assumed it might not be, have anything to do with us at all? It's, it's so weird how that can spin out of control sometimes. I've had it happen to me many a time, let me tell you. Yeah. The more focused we are on heaven, the more accurate our perspective becomes. A perspective based on eternity and a love that will never fail. But we can only get it by keeping that eternal perspective. Remember, you're seated in heavenly places. The love of God is ever-present for you, continuously, without ever stopping When we worry, when we're anxious, when we're upset, when we start obsessing, it's because we're staying here on the temporal realm. We're, seeing, think we're allowing things to get bigger than they really are, out of control. It's because we're down here on this level. Scripture um, Jesus shared, a uh, Sermon on the Mount it goes like this, Seek ye first the kingdom and all these things shall be added unto you. Well, all those things he was referring to was our, our natural needs, are the practical things of life, the food, the clothes, the rent, the gas, money, the whatever. That's what he was talking about. Seek ye first the kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. I like um, St. Teresa of Avila, one of the old mystics. God... Um, God told her this once, which is kind of an interpretation of that scripture Look after what is mine, and I will look after what is yours. Can we trust that He is more able to take care of us than we can take care of ourselves? Hmm, that's a big one, trust. That's a big one. But He can, He absolutely understands and knows our needs and our wants. And he cares about them. You know, God does not spiritualize our lives. He does not minimize our heartfelt needs. He takes them very seriously and he understands. How many of you heard the saying um, that we shouldn't be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good? I never liked that. Oh, I heard a missionary say that once. I went, oh, ow, I'm so sorry. You've got so discouraged. Well, I think, actually, we want to become so heavenly-minded that we are earthly good. But I want to say this. Being heavenly-minded does not mean we're in denial. Being heavenly-minded, is we don't ignore somebody's pain. Being heavenly-minded means we have the confidence that God's going to come through and we can meet that person where they're at. Heidi Baker would be a great example. You all know who Heidi Baker is? That woman is heavenly-minded. She worships God. She adores God. And she's hugging the orphans. And she's cleaning them. And she's feeding them. And she's hours and hours hugging them. Thousands, yes. Millions. (laughs) Loving and teaching other people how to love. We have friends um, who are um, missionaries. They're part of, actually, Iris Ministries in South Africa. And um, we got a newsletter from them recently. And um, they were asking for prayer because they had adopted this little orphan named Welcome. He was dropped off at their orphanage, um, not an orphan actually, had AIDS, Had um, AIDS was dying, was like six months old, hadn't been taken care of, hadn't got his medications. He was dying. So they Took him in, they loved on him, they fed him, they started him on his medications. He's now like three and a half years old and happy and healthy and fat. But guess who shows up now? Family shows up, wants him back. And that tends to not be a good thing because children tend to not be taken very well care of, uh, cared for very well. Often they get the last of the food available and that sort of thing in this society. And um, they knew this was the risk they ran in loving on this little one. That the day would come when they would be, um, somebody would come to claim him. And this is what they said about their choice to love. We find ourselves being called to higher places of His unfailing love. This high calling comes at a high cost. This journey of love includes the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. We tend to stay away from the reckless, completely abandoned love because of the inevitable heartbreak. But then we consider him who experienced the ultimate journey of love for us to the cross. Our Jesus paved the way with his own blood that we might continuously journey this road of unconditional love. Now, the good news is this. They... um, Grandma came to claim the little one. And instead of just taking him off and they never see him again, she's like, I want you guys' help. Teach me how to love him. Teach me how to take care of him. And they said the last time they went to visit Little Welcome, he waved goodbye happily, no longer crying and forlorn that they were leaving, but had just was being loved by Grandma because Grandma's now learning how to love. Also, the kingdom getting multiplied. We really do become so heavenly minded, we become earthly good because heavenly places we are going to get so loved on by God. Staying in that place of worshiping him and adoring him, we start recognizing how much he adores us in return. And that gives us the capacity to reach out and take care of other people with joy, with fullness. See, Jesus, he wept with Martha. And Mary, remember when Lazarus had died, he felt their pain, and he felt the love and acceptance of his father at the same time. He wept with them, he felt their pain, and he knew the final outcome. See, he wasn't afraid of meeting them right where they were. He wasn't afraid at all. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Remember that parable? It's like a mustard seed, but it becomes the biggest tree. It is grown, when it groans, it's the greatest of tr- shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. The things that may not look very significant to us in the natural can be amazing, powerful things in the kingdom. They look, they grow, they have impact in much different ways than things that are of significance in this world. I think um, John Paul Jackson, I really appreciate some of his teaching. He talks at length about the private victories, the small things we do when we simply choose to do the right thing that God sees and nobody else sees, those things matter. In the kingdom of heaven, we sometimes are waiting to see the signs and the wonders and the, those great things. And those are great things. Those are great things. But in all honesty, I'm not so sure heaven gets as excited about those things as we do. I think God gets really excited about us when we let God in deeper to our own little hearts. That is the miracle in heaven, from heaven's perspective, yeah. So what looks like a very small thing, there we go, a very small thing, like a little drop of water, for instance, looks very small, very insignificant, that little small thing, that little releasing some offense you've been carrying, choosing to forgive, Choosing to bless somebody who's hurt you looks like a kind of a small thing. But it can become powerful and transformational when it's done out of the kingdom of heaven. When you choose life out of the kingdom of heaven, it has a huge trickle-out impact. If it is done out of kingdom resources, not out of self-effort, not out of trying hard, not out of working, but out of the unction and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, who knows where it's going to lead. I'm actually going to show a little, short little film clip right now. A movie I think is very much a kingdom movie, very much about the principles of the kingdom of heaven. It's a movie called Pay It Forward. Anybody seen that movie? It's an awesome movie. Um, So this movie is about a young young boy. He's, I guess, about 12 years old. For his social studies project, he and all his classmates are asked to do something really big that's going to change the world. The teacher wants to challenge them to think outside themselves. That would be a hard thing for a junior high student to do, right? Most junior high students are like, don't get much beyond the mall or uh, cool clothes or what parties are going to be this weekend. But teacher challenges them, I want you to do something really big. Okay? So the clip I'm going to show you is about this young man who, who decides he really wants to change the world. And what he decides to do is he wants to... Do three things. Three different people. He wants to touch three different people's lives in such a way it will change their lives. And when that happens, he says, and then I'm going to want I'm going to ask each of them to do three things for three different people that really changes their lives. Something so big and something so good that it's going to help them change their lives. So we're going to catch the movie, just show a little bit of it, where there's this. Um, news reporter who has actually been touched by this movement. He calls it Pay It Forward, right? This news reporter, his car has just been trashed. A perfect stranger walks over up to him, hands him the keys to a Jaguar. He's like, huh? Why are you doing this? So this news reporter wants to find out where all this acts of kindness came from, and so he's tracking it down, and he's about to have an encounter with a boy's um, grandmother, who is actually a homeless alcoholic, but her life has been impacted by this movement, and we're going to just take a look at what that is. Are we ready, Patrick? Yeah? Okay. Got it? Yeah, yeah, huh
0: I ain't saying a thing till I get one more. Nope. I thought you might feel that way. Uh-uh, no, no. Later.
1: I got my places. Places where nobody cares, where you park overnight. Places where I live. Anybody who knows me knows where to find me. I couldn't. I can't watch you do this. I drive by your house. I know. He's big.
0: Yeah. What are you doing here? Are are you are you going to try to put me
1: somewhere? No. Then what do you want?
0: I want to try to. Do something. All the things when I was a kid,
1: the booze and the men,
0: what happened to me when you weren't looking. I know we're all weak. Not you. No. I've been weak. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. I forgive you. I know. I'm not putting it back. So I'd like to see you sometimes. Is that okay? Yes. You can't live with me? No.
1: Who would want to? (laughs) Can I see him? Not drunk. You got to be sober, even if it's just for two hours. Yeah, I can do that.
0: Okay. And then I'll come and find you. Okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. Why'd you do this, Arlie? So. She told me why. To do something really big to help somebody else with their life because her son had done something really big for her in showing her how much he loved her. So, what is the power in one act of forgiveness? What is the power in one act of kindness? What is the power in one act of love? We can't measure these things like we measure the things on this earth. I don't know, what do those things do in the kingdom of heaven, you guys? I think we are one body. And I think when we choose kingdom values in one area, in one place, I think it has an impact much, much bigger than we can even begin to understand. Jesus paid it forward in full. Isn't that really cool to know? So if there's anything whatsoever you're struggling with at all, he's got it covered. Just reach in and get the help you need because it's right there. It's right there. He understands. He's got it covered. And he knows we all need help with this stuff. Nobody is ever expected to figure it out and do it on their own. That's probably the big sticking point for most all of us, is we're waiting until we got it all figured out on our own to make the change. And he's like, come on, I want to do it with you. God is so Mr. Relational. (laughs) Everything about him is about being in relationship with us. He just wants to help. He really does. So I just want to close with a couple other thoughts. And that is a couple ideas about how we could best access this kingdom. First, becoming childlike. Jesus said this, Allow the little children to come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Did he mean little children, like you had to be five years old? Did he mean that? I think yes, but I think he also meant be like a child. Be like a child. Cultivate awe and teachability. Recognize we don't have all the answers. We don't have it all together. I love Randy Clark. I I got the opportunity to travel with him once to Brazil. I mean, the man gets as excited about seeing a headache healed as cancer. And he's been doing this for years and years. He's seen thousands upon thousands of people healed. And he gets as excited now, I'm sure, as he ever did. He's amazing. That's childlikeness. Childlikeness is not being goofy and weird, that is not childlikeness, right? Childlikeness is not is kind of being able to play and enjoy and engage and getting excited about the little things, the little things of God. The little things of God. I wish I could meet Brother Lawrence. I mean that guy had more fun doing dishes than most of us probably have fun in a, I don't know, a year of renewal meetings. Right? Brother Lawrence he he had to have been a child in his heart just enjoying god continuously being grateful just in cultivating that place of gratitude and appreciating the little things god is doing in our lives we've gone to um burning man a number of times and i've really appreciated the leadership there because there's something um one of them says has said when we go because because it is hard work okay everybody thinks it's so romantic and fun it is hard work going to the desert and desert and dust storms and heat and you, anyway but she says this at least always says this we work hard and we play hard it is hard work but we also enjoy. We enjoy God. If you just cultivate that place of continuously enjoying Him, it changes everything. How many know you can have one day where you're just like, ugh, nothing's working and you just feel miserable and yuck. And then you get a little attitude adjustment, and the next day nothing has changed, but suddenly everything feels lighter and freer? What is that? It's like you've invited God in and just enjoying him. You forgot. It's just you forgot the day before. You just forgot. that didn't even cared, And you remembered. Oh, yeah, he does care. He wants to be with me. Oh, yeah. That's right. Sometimes we think that we need to be adults and know all the answers and have it all figured out. No. Nope. Not at all. Um... I read this thing about, um, about climbing Mount Everest because sometimes we get an answer and we get something figured out and we just kind of want to camp out there, All right? I got this truth and I'm going to, this is the one. This is the one that's going to fix me. This, this one right here, it's going to take care of me, All right? I got it down and I'm just going to own this one. When you want to climb Mount Everest, it's like 29,029 feet, something like that. That is really high. <laughs> I've never been higher than the Sierras, maybe 12 or 13,000 feet max. I can't even imagine what it would be like to be that high. Um, in order to be able to get up there though, you've got to train and you've got to prepare. They spend actually about a week getting to base camp, which is at 17,000 feet. And then you've got to spend a couple weeks at base camp, camped out at base camp to get acclimated. But the reason you're getting acclimated is to go beyond. So yeah, we wanna get some of those basic truths in us. We wanna get them in there really deep, messages like grace, messages like the love of God. You gotta get them in there, they're foundational. But you don't wanna just camp right there and say, this is all I gotta know forever and ever and ever. We're getting it so we can move on into the deeper things, into the more mature things, into the more mature understanding of God right the places where we can handle harder things because we're gonna you know how many know you're gonna need to know some deeper truths to be able to handle some harder things but you're gonna get you're gonna stay there at that base camp until you're ready to move on because you've acclimated and you've gotten in shape spiritually and you can go after more see we don't need to be the adult that's got the answers you can say I don't know I'm not there yet. I haven't arrived yet. Because we haven't. We are going from glory to glory. Yeah. We get to enjoy every step of glory. But there's lots more. Yay. The last thing I want to mention is, remember, the kingdom of heaven is where? Within, inside of you. So, Does God want you to learn to love yourself? Just a thought. Does he? Really? I think so. What happens if you don't love yourself and the kingdom of God is within? Just a thought. Just a thought. What happens? This is a lot of what we actually do in Sozo. We discover that we have locked up places within ourselves that we've never accessed before. Like the testimony I shared earlier, I never knew. I thought I'd forgiven them. I didn't know. There was still some unforgiveness there. And that's very common. A lot of us have things we don't know about ourselves. A lot of us are still living in shacks. And God's like, you guys, I so have a mansion. Will you come on out and explore it with me? Yeah, I think those mansions, they're for now. They're not for the great buy and buy. I think we all have an amazing mansion available now for us. Yes. Why wouldn't he love his own creation? Yeah. Mm. Don't you look in the mirror and just want to kiss yourself? Well, sometimes maybe. (laughs) I do think it probably requires a supernatural love to learn to honestly love yourself. But guess what? Guess who loves us with that supernatural love? He's got what we need to get to that place where we truly love and accept ourselves and look at ourselves and say, I don't want to be anybody else. I don't want to be anybody else. And this picture, I love this when I saw this. Now, I don't know, is that airbrushed? Why would a polar bear hug? It does look like he's hugging the wolf. It doesn't look like he's about to eat them, he looks like he's hugging him. So, the question (laughs) can you hug your inner wolf? Sometimes we got stuff inside we don't like about ourselves. Yeah, sometimes, but that's okay. God loves you anyway. He even loves that part of you. You know why? Cuz he knows who you really are. You may not have gotten there yet, but he already sees what you're becoming. That's the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven is not stagnant. He already sees who you're becoming. So let's just accept it cuz once you start accepting it, he comes right into the picture and guess whose job it is to do the transformation? I'll give you a clue. It's not your job. It's your job to let him in. Yes, you do have a job. Your job is open the door. That's it. And then he does the changing. See, we look upon signs and wonders with awe, but guess what God God looks upon? Your heart, when you soften the hard places, when you allow your character to be transformed, I'm telling you, heaven is looking on with awe. And amazement and loves it when you choose to forgive someone who's been hard to forgive. Choose to love someone that's hard to love. That's a miracle by heavenly standards. He really did do it all for you. He really did. He did it all for you. All of this is available for you. He wants you to get to the place where you can live your life from the inside out rooted in the eternal, anchored in what will never change, his heart of love for you. That river that never runs dry has everything you will ever need right there. We sometimes ask a question in Sozo. (laughs) It's a wonderful question. And I'll ask you right now, what would it look like if... You really loved all of who you are. What would that look like? What would that feel like? What would it be like to wake up in the morning with yourself? <laughs> Saying, I'm so glad I'm me. And I promised you, the greater the access you give to God within your own heart, the greater the access you're going to get into Him. That's how it works. The kingdom of heaven is within. It's within your very own heart. You are who he wants to inhabit. You are enough for him in every way. So I just want to pray over you guys. God, I'm just so grateful. Creator God, Creator God, (laughs) that you imagined each and every one of us up. You imagined with delight every daughter and son in this room. You look upon them and say, oh, I love that one. They're mine. They're mine. You're mine. God, I just thank you so much That you look upon us with such fondness, with such delight. Because we are your idea of a work of art, each and every one of us. So I ask you start giving us eyes to see and the grace to open our hearts up to you more and more and more. Because we know there is never going to be an end to coming to know the love that you have for us. You are amazing, God. So I just bless each and every one of you to get to a new place of fully accepting yourself, of fully knowing you are who you are supposed to be, of knowing that the plans God has for you will fulfill your every dream and desire, because he knows you. He cares about you and all his plans for you are good. (laughs) Amen. So um, what we're gonna do actually is a fire tunnel. That sounded like a really good way to bring in the new year get a little fired up. So f- how about those of you who were asked to be part of those fire, the fire tunnel could come up here. And Patrick, thanks so much. If you could get some, maybe some music going. And we'll start um, the line over on this side. The fire tunnel will go across here. And those of you who want to line up, start over there.